May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. I remember a professor once saying to us at the end of the term that he would be satisfied if 10% of his instructions stuck with us. And it's true, there are some things that just remain with you. Uh, Maybe it's the way something is said, um, but it just plants within you and you'll never forget it. The same is true, I find, of uh, Holy Scripture or teaching on Scripture. I remember on another occasion I was listening to a man teach. um, I forget what exactly he was teaching on. To prove my point, I have no idea what he was teaching on, but I can tell you this. In the midst of that teaching, he said, simply by seeking to take care of your parents, you can please God. It wasn't verbatim, but something along those lines. That was the principle in play, and he was referring to the Apostle Paul's instruction to young Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, Paul says, and if you're not paying attention, you just read right past it. He says, by taking care of your parents, this is something that is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And that has always stuck with me. The fact that you have the potential, you and I, to please God, the creator of the universe. I don't know if it was just that day or that just landed with me. And I thought, I I thought I had to be perfect to please God. No. In this case, just taking care of your parents is pleasing to God. In another place, Paul makes it clear that anything done in faith is pleasing to the Lord. And in fact, apart from faith, he says... You can't please God. There's nothing you can do to please God apart from faith. But anything done in faith, in the Spirit, can be found to be pleasing to God, pleasing to the Lord. I say that as a preface to today's message because in our first reading, in the 10th verse, we heard that Solomon's prayer to God when God appeared to him, that God was pleased with Solomon and what he asked. Just to recap, Solomon encountered God in a dream at night, and God gave him the opportunity to ask whatever he would, whatever he would ask, and it would be given to him, is implied. What an opportunity. We might think we would want that. I wonder what we would ask for. And as we heard and read, and we probably already know, Solomon asked for wisdom to help him govern and lead the people of Israel because he was at the beginning of his reign as king over Israel. He was the third king of Israel, and he said, God, I need wisdom to know right from wrong, good from evil to be able to govern this people. And God, again, 
was pleased with this. He was pleased. Prayer can be pleasing to God. In fact, prayer that issues out of a humble heart is most pleasing to God. So let me ask this question. What are the conditions and the characteristics of a humble heart? Because I believe that is what's going on here. The reason, one of the reasons why God was pleased with Solomon's prayer was because of his humble posture. So what is humility? What fills a humble heart? Well, the first is this, a spirit of dependence on God. A humble heart consists of a spirit of dependence on God. Or, to put it inversely, a humble heart consists of a lack of self-reliance. A humble heart is a lack, has a lack of self-reliance. So look with me at what Solomon asks for and how he says it. In verse 9, Solomon says, Give your servant an understanding mind to govern your people, that I may discern between good and evil, for who is able to govern this your great people. In these words, we are able to see that Solomon is reaching out in absolute dependence on God. He acknowledges and confesses the fact that he does not have or possess what he needs to carry out the job, the role, the office that God has called him to. And he pleads with God to grant him and equip him with wisdom. Just as a side note, another prayer that God inclines towards is a prayer in which you ask for God to help you carry out whatever it is he has called you to do. I wonder how many times we pray asking for God to help us do things that he has not called us to do. I knew of someone once who had in mind that their mission was to build a large facility to provide for all the homeless in Denver. Nothing is outside the reach of God. Anything can be done, but there were no means, no plans in place. It was reaching, and it didn't seem to be something that aligned with where this person was in their life and what maybe God was putting right before them right there that day. Um, sometimes we can be tempted to look beyond in these, these grand visions and say, God, uh, help me do that. And maybe God doesn't have that in mind for you. It requires wisdom to understand what is God calling me to now, today. God, help me do that. There's a prayer that will be pleasing in the ears of God. But back to this prayer of dependence, self-reliance, a posture of self-reliance is a great enemy to humility. Self-reliance fools people, fools us, 
into thinking that we have what we need to take care of ourselves, or that if we don't, we can somehow conjure it up, we can muster it up, we can find the strength, we can find the ability, the inspiration, the power, the wisdom, the smarts, whatever it is, we'll figure this out. But a humble dependence on God recognizes, no, I don't. I don't. I'm actually lacking. And I need you, God, to provide me with what I don't have. Help. There's a humble prayer. Help. Self-reliance always has a ring of me, myself, and I in it. I'm reminded of the parable that Jesus told for those who were tempted to trust in themselves and their own righteousness. He told the parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector. And he said there were two men one day worshiping alongside each other in the same place. And one was a Pharisee, one was a tax collector. And the Pharisee was the one who exalted himself before God and said, God, I first... Make note, I, me, myself, and I, I thank you that I am not like that person over there, that sinner. I tithe to you. I do all these wonderful things in your name. I, I, I. On the other hand, the tax collector was the one who had nothing to offer of, from or of himself, but a humble prayer pleading for mercy. God, please have mercy on me, a sinner. And the point of that parable, as we hear out of the lips of Jesus himself, is humility. The man, the woman who humbles themselves and says, God, I don't have what I need before you to do this or that. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. It is that prayer of dependence that God hears, and not only hears, but is well-pleased with. So we have a spirit of dependence. On top of that, I would add that prayers that are pleasing in the sight of the Lord are prayers that are filled with a spirit of honesty, a spirit of honesty. Look again at what Solomon admitted to here. He says in verse 7, I am but a little child. I do not know. Remember, he's confessing to God. I am a little child. I do not know how to go out or how to come in. I really like Peterson's, Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of this verse from the message. He puts it this way. Solomon said, I'm too young for this. I'm a mere child. Some estimate he was about 20. I don't know the ropes. I hardly know the ins and outs of this job. There's a spirit of honesty in this. He's not trying to pull himself up in his own strength and power and wisdom. He's honestly admitting, I can't do it, God. I need help. God always honors honesty. Always, always, always. Whether it's a problem that is too big for you to handle, a sin 
that makes you want to hide, a fear that makes you want to tremble. God desires, first and foremost, honesty. Honesty will always incline his ear to the humble prayer from an honest heart. Honesty. You remember it was King Solomon's father, King David, who had accomplished many great things, but also had tripped up in some significant ways. And that's probably an understatement. It was King David who had committed adultery with Bathsheba. And in an effort to cover up that sin and dishonesty, had furthermore put her husband to death in war. It's a great scheme he had concocted to cover his error. God sent the prophet Nathan to David to expose this error, and he did successfully. He told him a parable. And on hearing it, it was David who turned immediately and in a state of radical honesty simply said, I have sinned against God. How many times when you're confronted with your own wrong is your first impulse to confess? Oh yeah, that was me. I did that. Guilty. David was a man after God's own heart. And in this prayer, God was pleased. Even in the midst of his error, when God, when David honestly confessed his sin, you know what David heard immediately? Out of, out of the mouth of the prophet Nathan, Nathan said to him, The Lord has put away your sin, and you shall not die. No chastisement. Forgiveness. Forgiveness in response to honesty. The humble heart that is filled with dependence on God, honesty before God, and lastly, a humble heart that is filled with the spirit of a child, a childlike spirit. Prayer that is pleasing to the Lord issues out of a humble, childlike heart. And Solomon again exemplifies this in those words again. I am but a little child, he says. Now this should come as no surprise. Our Lord himself, Jesus Christ, on one or more occasions took a child, a real child in the flesh, and put that child in the midst of his disciples and said, you want to follow me? You want to enter my kingdom? Become like this child. The point being humility, humbleness. Humble yourselves like this child. And you will understand something of my way and the call I'm placing on your life. You know, as adults, and I can share in this, sometimes it's amazing how we don't know how to pray. We don't know what to pray for. I've felt that before. We have all these beautiful prayers from our tradition that we recite every week. They're wonderful. But put us by ourselves alone, and what do we say? Put us in a small group with people to pray extemporaneously, what are you going to say? It's not easy. 
I've had many people tell me on many occasions, I, I don't know how to pray, and that's okay. That's okay. If you find yourself in that state, just find a child and listen to their prayers. It's a wonderful example and model of what prayer is pleasing to God. Why? Because there's a pureness to it. There's a simplicity to it. You know, as adults, we are tempted sometimes to get into this mindset that we're going to say things to God that we think will please Him. And we end up saying a bunch of things that maybe we don't really even mean or understand. There's a mixed motive, and we're really just trying to please God rather than articulating, giving voice to simple words of requests that arise from our needs, genuine needs. That's how a child prays, out of a genuine, simple need. That's what God wants to hear. Pure prayers that arise out of humility, that testify to our dependence, our honesty, and our childlike faith. The, psalm, the psalmist can be found saying things such as this, the sacrifices of God, you want to make a sacrifice to God, it is this, it's a broken spirit, it's a broken and a contrite heart, a humble heart, in other words, O oh God, you will not despise that. Or this, O Lord, you hear the pleas of the humble. You incline your ear to them. There is no way around humility. There's no way to skip over this. And if you try to, you might as well not pray at all. In fact, the scriptures say in various places that God closes his ears to the proud and will not hear. But the prayer that arises out of humility dependence on of, of our need, honesty, childlike. God will hear those prayers, and not only will he hear those prayers, I assure you, he will be most pleased in hearing those prayers. Amen.